this podcast is dedicated to helping you find your trail to a happier, healthier you by discussing topics like self-improvement, business, health and beauty, and random thoughts about life from a Christian perspective. I'm your host, Tasha Johnson. Are you enjoying the Hustle and Faith podcast? Regardless of where you listen to Hustle and Faith, if you love this show, please leave us a review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash hustle and faith. Or if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, if you feel inclined to do so, why don't you go ahead and leave us a five-star review? Doing so will help others to discover this show. Thanks again for your support. It is very much appreciated. Are you ready to break free from the worker bee mentality? Life is way too short to learn everything the hard way. Why not take a shortcut and use Starring You services to help start your side hustle? Starring You is proud to offer the following services. Podcast management, course creation, and voiceover work. Starring You services will help you acquire the skills you need to break free from the hive. In today's episode, we're going to discuss how to live an extraordinary life with or without Mr. Right, a Christian woman's guide on how to survive and thrive on Single Avenue. So as I mentioned before, I am super excited to finally be in a position to share with you that I am writing a book. This is my very first book, and I decided to write it on singlehood because I've just been having one too many conversations with amazing women that I want to encourage in my position in being a podcaster and my love of writing led me down this path. So without further ado, I'm going to read the introduction as well as chapter one from my book. And again, in the event that you have any questions or um comments, you know, I welcome all feedback. Feel free to check out the show notes in the event that you would like to get in touch. Introduction. If you're reading this book, my guess is you're involved in a lot of conversations in your personal and business life that go a little something like this. Stranger. Hi, I'm, insert their name, you. Hi, I'm, insert your name. Stranger, nice to meet you. So tell me about yourself. You, likewise, I'm a, name your profession, I really enjoy, insert list of what you would like to do in your spare time. How about you? You smile and wait for their response. However, you and I both know that nine times out of ten, the other person will ask in rapid fire, two of the most dreaded, annoying questions in the world to a single person. Stranger, so are you married? You, no. Stranger, do you have kids? You, no. At this point in the conversation, the other person is most likely putting on their invisible Sherlock Holmes hat to see if they could quickly attempt to figure out what's wrong with you. You will feel slightly uncomfortable whether this discussion occurs in a social setting or at the office. Unfortunately, 
the level of awkwardness you continue to experience during the rest of this conversation is typically in the other person's hands to rectify. They can go back and share more about themselves or ask more annoying, invasive follow-up questions about your single status in hopes that they can solve the mystery about your situation. I used to feel self-conscious about these awkward moments when I was younger, but now I smile because I know what questions they will ask and the answers to them. I'm Tasha. I'm an intelligent, funny, beautiful, creative, business-savvy, 40-ish African-American Christian woman. I've never been married, and I don't have any children. Yet, I'm out here living my best life. According to society standards, and sadly by so-called Christian churches, this isn't supposed to be the case. How can I be happy when I'm not wearing a wedding ring? My life is a mystery to many because it doesn't fit their narrow-minded definition of being a successful Christian woman. When God said that he has plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future, this wasn't contingent on your marital status. The level of happiness and success you achieve is determined by your relationship with God, not by your ability to find Mr. Right. Contrary to what you may have been told, you can be happy, married, or single. Don't buy into society's warped view that you are broken or incomplete because you're single. If you're tired of feeling less than, then it's time to stop accepting other people's version of happiness as your own. You are a child of the Most High God. It's time for you to discover and embrace the extraordinary life God specifically designed for you. So that was the introduction. And now I'm going to read to you chapter one. What's wrong with Single Avenue? According to my mom, I've always been an intense child. Even at an early age, I was competitive and determined to win this game called life. If you told me I need to do ABC, you best believe I would do everything in my power to complete that task in record time so that I could continue my journey. I chose to keep track of my progress toward achieving my goals through checklists. Whenever I completed a task, I found it incredibly satisfying to cross that item off my list. This approach works great for a project, but I made the mistake of attempting to view my life from a checklist perspective. I thought I had to complete every task listed on my happy life checklist to succeed. To me, my mom's life was the epitome of happiness. Therefore, my happy life checklist consisted of all the items and things she possessed and achieved. My mom always seemed happy. So I always thought the correlation of attaining happiness was to follow in her footsteps. She married a Christian man at 19, had two kids in her early 20s, had a successful career, owned a home in the suburbs, traveled, the list goes on. I felt compelled to do the exact same thing. I wanted my life to mirror hers. 
When I was 18, I distinctly remember sharing my plans with my mom. Mom, when I'm your age, I want to be exactly where you are in life. Her response was to focus on God and enjoy my life. My mom gave me the blueprint to accomplish this feat, but I was too slow to realize that God wasn't even on my list. When I approached my late 20s, I was unhappy and felt like a failure. During this phase of my life, at age 43, my dad passed away from colon cancer, and many of the unofficial deadlines I gave myself to achieve the items on my happy life checklist had already come and gone. It drove me insane not being able to cross marriage off my list. I felt like I was behind schedule. To add insult to injury, my friends were getting married. I was happy for them, but I couldn't help but wonder if it would ever be my turn to walk down the aisle. It was a perfectly honest thought to ponder because I was rarely going on dates. Marriage was starting to feel and look like a lofty goal that I might never achieve. Sadly, I started to condition myself to live life with anticipation. I seriously believed I couldn't be truly happy until I got married, despite all the fantastic things I was accomplishing in my career and other areas in my personal life, I will be happy when I get married is a phrase I was constantly saying to myself. Marriage was the number one item I had to achieve on my happy life checklist so I could win the game. Growing up, I was fortunate to have a great relationship with my parents. However, the bond between a mother and daughter is extremely special. God blessed me with the best mother in the world. My mom is a riddle wrapped up in an enigma. (laughs) She had a horrendous childhood that she would not wish on her worst enemy. She endured abuse and was forced to raise herself in the Cabrini Greens projects located in Chicago, Illinois. Yet, she found the strength to break the generational curse of pain and poverty that without a doubt would have been her future had she not become a Christian as a teenager. My mom and I have a very close relationship. She is my world. There is nothing that I would not do for her. She's a beautiful person inside as well as outside. I've always been in awe of her fierce, quiet, confident demeanor and how she approaches obstacles she encounters. She's a very patient, loving, and honest person who has always worked twice, heck, sometimes (laughs) three times as hard as her peers to achieve her goals. Hence why one of my missions was to live my life in such a way that never let her down. She has never, in any way, shape, or form, imposed any unnecessary stress on me to get married or have kids. All of that pressure came from me, not her. I felt like I was letting her down by not being married with kids. One day, I remember complaining to my mom about how disappointed I was with my personal life. My mom must have had enough of my pity parties because this time she took the opportunity to correct my distorted, faulty way of thinking regarding marriage and kids. I will never forget our conversation shortly before my 30th birthday. 
It truly was a memorable conversation that set the tone for how I would forever view my future from that point forward. My mom said, Tasha, I love you, but if I could do it all over again, we would not be having this conversation. You are living my life. She then went into great detail about why she got married and had kids. Due to my mom's horrible childhood, all she ever wanted in life was happiness. When she became a Christian, she had every intention of living her life as a single Christian woman. She had no desire for marriage or kids. Happiness was the only thing she craved. However, when she shared her plans for singlehood with other so-called Christian women who were married and had children, they persuaded her to believe that marriage and children were the only way to accomplish her endeavor to be happy. It was during this time that she met my dad at church. He was just as on fire for the Lord as she was, which was the only reason she married him. Again, my mom naively associated happiness with marriage and children. Case in point, early on during their marriage, she wanted four kids. However, (laughs) she quickly changed her mind after having me and my sister. She realized that marriage and kids didn't deliver the fulfillment she desperately sought. So she only had two kids. Before my dad passed away, my parents were married for 23 years. My parents were happily married, but it was a lot of hard work. Emphasis on a lot. It was even more difficult because neither of my parents came from good families. My mom told me the first 10 years of her marriage were miserable. She attributed her misery to the fact that she and my father never finished growing up. They were not fully converted Christians. They were two young Christians, undeveloped in their faith, trying to figure out life together. My mom had come to terms with the fact that her family was lousy and had no desire to change. Therefore, she removed them from her life. She was not about to allow their toxicity to bring her down. She was done with their nonsense. But my dad had a harder time letting his family go. On more than one occasion, my dad almost allowed his family to ruin their marriage. My mom also noticed that as they grew older, she was more committed to being a Christian than my dad. Throughout their marriage, I remember times when my dad stopped going to church with us. During these times, there was tension in their marriage, and she felt like a single parent. Their marriage didn't improve until they both started to focus their effort and attention on God. The last several years of their marriage were good, but my mom confided in me that my father had started to drift away from God again. Had he not passed away, she wasn't sure if they would be together. My mom taught us early on that you should always put God first, even if that means upsetting your husband. No one would ever take away my mom's desire to stop putting God first, even my dad. She mentioned that having a healthy Christian marriage is impossible if both parties aren't devoting 100% of their effort to making it work. She was brutally honest with me regarding her feelings toward marriage and kids and shared how much she sacrificed for us. 
I rarely saw my parents fight as a child. So to say that I was shocked by her candidness during our conversation would be a complete understatement. She didn't want me nor my sister to go through all the pain and heartache she went through in trying to provide for us. My mom was willing to make those sacrifices because we didn't ask to be brought into this fallen world. She thought it was her fault for allowing people to trick her into getting married and having children. Therefore, she fought like hell to make the best of the hand dealt to her. My mom attributes prayer and constantly seeking God's guidance as the only way she knew how to raise us. My mom is proof that where you start in life does not determine the level of success you can achieve if you put God first. God, Christ, and the Holy Spirit are the only reason she escaped from Cabrini Greens. She wanted my sister and me to have the childhood she never got a chance to experience herself. This is why she went above and beyond to ensure we were cared for and always put God first. She clearly listened to God and accomplished her mission. As a result, we had a fantastic childhood. She then went on to share all the reasons why I should enjoy being single and child-free. Many of those reasons will be discussed throughout this book. Please don't get it twisted. There's nothing wrong with being married with children. However, to have a successful Christian marriage, you have to both be fully converted Christians. To have a successful marriage like Priscilla and Aquila, you both have to be on board with the amount of hard work it takes and be aligned on how to raise children in this crazy world. The way we ended this memorable conversation forever impacted my future. My mom told me, Tasha, you're wearing a beautiful dress. Marriage is like a necklace. That dress is going to be beautiful regardless of whether you decide to wear that necklace. You keep saying you want to follow in my footsteps, but you're already living my life. Stop worrying about marriage and kids. Put God first and enjoy your life. Now, I know my mom's brutal honesty may come as a shock to you. There are two teams regarding the advice my mom gave me. There's Team OMG, she said the quiet part out loud. (laughs) Or Team Keep It Real, for being honest. Let's take a minute to discuss the mindset of these teams. Team OMG, without a doubt, frustrates me. When single Christian women, especially younger Christian women, ask these women for advice about marriage and children, these women typically share the good, but neglect to discuss the bad. Regardless of whether they are happy, the women on this team are more than content with suppressing the truth about marriage and children. Women on this team fail to see what a disservice they are to women such as my mom or myself. Unfortunately, this is why many women grow up thinking there's only one path to happiness when there are multiple routes. This is why I am and will forever be grateful to the women on Team Keep It Real. Their willingness to be vulnerable and share the good, bad, and ugly about marriage and children is very much appreciated. Marriage and children is not for everyone. Yet, on purpose, some women, hint, hint, team OMG, (laughs) 
even if they aren't enjoying their marriage and kids' lifestyle, won't provide other women who aren't in this situation with the crucial intel they need to help them decide whether this is a path that they should pursue. My mom, not subscribing to the Misery Loves Company mantra, saved me from making a huge mistake. Despite how difficult it was for her to bear her soul, she did what was necessary to arm me with the truth. I love my mom, and I know she loves me. Even as an adult, she's still going out of her way to protect me. Whether marriage and children are in the cards for you, you can still have the happily ever after ending you desire. However, having all of the information before making a decision can make the road less traveled, singlehood, more enjoyable. The honesty of the women on Team Keep It Real, who are currently living the marriage and kids lifestyle, can save countless other women from making the wrong decision for their lives. This is exactly how I felt after my conversation with my mom. Our conversation prompted me to do some serious soul searching. She had no idea how relieved I felt after speaking with her. Deep down, I was rushing to get married because I wanted to follow in her footsteps and saw that everyone else was getting married, so I didn't want to feel left out. I also realized that I didn't want to have kids. I love kids, but I had no desire to make the sacrifices my mother made. My mother's willingness to be vulnerable saved me from a lifetime of misery and heartache. As I grew older, I noticed from my own experiences and those around me that my mom was right about not rushing into marriage and having children. Both duties are a lot of work. Watching my friends and others struggle with raising their kids or listening to their complaints about their marriages confirmed that my life is perfect as is. Don't get me wrong, I would still be open to marriage if I found the right Christian man and he didn't want to have kids. (laughs) However, I no longer feel like I missed the boat. I'm so glad I didn't get married when I was younger. I was not ready for that type of responsibility. But most importantly, I was not a fully converted Christian. Looking at the divorce rate and others who remain in unhappy marriages demonstrates that they were not ready for the responsibility of marriage either. To have a successful marriage, both people must know who they are in Christ's eyes. If I had married earlier in life, I would have brought a lot of unnecessary baggage to the table. I was way too insecure. I was looking for a spouse to make me happy and fulfill me. With this weak mindset, my marriage would have been doomed from the start. Marriage and children would have derailed my life, not enhanced it. As I stated before, marriage and raising children is a lot of work. I know how hard I had to fight to finally find peace in my life. This is one of the main reasons I know I would lose my joy if I had kids. Thanks to always seeking and appreciating my mom's godly advice, God has blessed me with being able to find contentment in my personal and professional life. Again, my journey to peace and contentment is a constant battle I must be willing to fight. If you're wrestling with the same issue, please know you are not alone. Let God take the wheel 
so he can reduce the time it takes for you to slay every obstacle that comes your way. As a 40-ish <laughs> year old woman, this is why I can proudly say that I'm a proud resident of Single Avenue. I look forward to us getting to know each other. I've lived on this street for a while, so my goal is to help reduce the time it takes for you to settle in so you can enjoy yourself. First, I want you to ignore all the nasty rumors you may have heard about the women on Single Avenue. It's not filled with socially awkward, bitter women living in houses with poorly maintained gardens that indicate that they clearly gave up on life. Single Avenue is a beautiful street, primarily filled with an array of HGTV's status-worthy homes and gardens owned by independent, amazing women who know their worth and refuse to settle for anything less. Full transparency, there are some women that clearly don't want to be here and aren't leveraging this opportunity to level up, which you can easily see by how they upkeep their property. I'm pretty good at reading people, so I can already tell you're not one of them. It's safe to assume that although our destinations in life may be different, at this point in our lives, we both just so happen to be neighbors on a road called Single Avenue. Many find themselves on Single Avenue by accident, choice, or due to unforeseen detours such as divorce or you're a widow. Depending on how long you've been on this street, some may wonder, how long do I have to stay here? At some point in time, Regardless of how you got to the street, some may ask themselves this question. However, asking yourself the previous question is a colossal waste of time. Your efforts should be spent on developing your relationship with God. One main reason many are discontent with spending time in Single Avenue is that they've been conditioned into believing that marriage is the key to happiness. We're inundated with the images and bombarded with advice further reinforcing that marriage is the ultimate prize we should all strive to achieve. Sadly, there isn't a single verse in the Bible that states this is the case. Yet, the first verse many are quick to recite is Genesis 2.18. The Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Many people use that verse to justify why you need to be married, Unfortunately, many failed to consider that this was stated before the fall of Adam and Eve. When Christ came, he established a new set of rules. Christ is our high priest. We are to look to him as our example and follow his rules. The New Testament rules take precedence over the Old Testament. Some rules Christ kept and others he revamped. For example, monogamy was always God's intention. Hence, why Adam and Eve are to serve as our examples of marriage. However, the fall of Adam and Eve opened the door to deceptions and practices that God did not explicitly deny. For example, having more than one wife. It was even an established practice that kings were to have only one wife. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to see that the men who chose to have more than one wife also increased the number of issues they encountered. Esau... Moses, Jacob, Elkanah, David, and Solomon are some of the men in the Old Testament that had multiple wives or concubines. Again, in the Old Testament, it's implied that you could have more than one wife, but it doesn't mean it was practical. This behavior is no longer true 
nor accepted. Christ changed the rules. If you choose to get married, only two people are involved, you and your husband. I want to bring special attention to the word choose. You can't find a single verse in the New Testament that commands you to be married. Likewise, you will not find anywhere in the New Testament that states it's not good to be alone or that being alone means that you're incomplete. God never said this because the earth's population was already established. In the New Testament, there are several examples of individuals who remained single. John the Baptist, Apostle Paul, the 144,000 male virgins, the list goes on. However, the most outstanding example of all is Christ. He walked this earth for 33 years as a single man. There is nothing new under the sun, so Christ experienced all the temptations we face today. In the New Testament, more advice alludes to life being easier by remaining single. That said, this does not mean you have to remain single. For example, if you're a Priscilla and want to find an Aquila, meaning you're a Christian woman who desires to marry a Christian man, God allows you to do so. However, waiting until you are a fully converted Christian is imperative. You're probably wondering, what is a fully converted Christian? A fully converted Christian works daily to retrieve and incorporate Christ's attributes into their lifestyle. This will place you in a position to gain access to the plans God has in store for you. In the next chapter, we will learn more about becoming a fully converted Christian by learning how to attain and maintain Christ's attributes. The main thing that I want you to keep in mind is that many people say that they are Christians, yet their actions, the type and amount of fruit they produce in their lives, demonstrate otherwise. These folks are better known as hypocrites. Throughout the Bible, Jesus on more than one occasion, via parables or everyday life situations, showcased his displeasure toward hypocrites. One of my favorite examples is Jesus in the fig tree in Mark 11, verses 12 through 14, and verses 20 and 21. Jesus was hungry. He looked off into the distance and saw a fig tree with leaves. When Jesus got to the tree, he saw it, had nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. Needless to say, Christ was upset. He said, let no one eat from you ever again. The next morning, the fig tree was dried up from the roots. Jesus didn't curse the fig tree due to being hangry. It was because the tree was deceptive. It conveyed the appearance that it may have figs, but in reality, it did not. Which begs the question, how many times were you the fig tree? Deep down, we've all been in this position. So many Christian women go above and beyond to ensure their appearance looks fabulous, but fail to produce the results God wants them to accomplish. Don't be surprised, but you may encounter some fig trees in unkept gardens engulfed by weeds on Single Avenue. If you're tending to your garden, you don't have to worry about this happening to you. A poorly kept garden is similar to allowing your mind to be infiltrated with negative thoughts. When we neglect to protect our garden, we risk it being destroyed by weeds. Our perspective and how we view Single Avenue 
can only change once we get serious about our desire to prune. So there you have it. I just finished reading the introduction and chapter one of How to Live an Extraordinary Life with or without Mr. Wright, a Christian woman's guide on how to survive and thrive on Single Avenue. I'm super excited about this project. And if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to check out the show notes in order to get in touch with me. Again, I read every message, every review. I I truly appreciate all of the support that I've received with this podcast. You have no idea how much your support means to me. I truly appreciate it. And yeah, I look forward to finally sharing the finished product with you. But don't rush me all. It's probably going to take about a year or so. So I just wanted to kind of put this out there because I've just been having one too many conversations with amazing women and I wanted to make sure that this message got out there sooner rather than later. So again, truly hope that you've enjoyed the content that I've read and I look forward to sharing the book with you. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoy listening to Hustle and Faith and would like to support the show, please consider sharing it with your friends, rate or leave a review, donate, or make a purchase at Starring You Crew, our fitness apparel shop. Remember, if you're everything to everyone, you risk being no one. You never know who you will inspire. See you in the next episode. So yeah, I truly hope that you enjoyed today's content and I look forward to sharing the finished product with you.